Welcome to the Turning Point Church Podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church. Good things happen when we adjust our lives to Him. Every time, without fail. Um, and we were, we've been so blessed uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, to hear from these great men of God who have, who have poured into us uh, on this subject. Pastor Johnny Lawrence, he and, he and uh, uh, the Mrs. Pastor, uh, they're, uh, they're out of town uh, this week and, and taking some time off. Uh, but he has blessed us. And last week, Mr. Steve Riggs uh, blessing us with his wealth of knowledge and we're just so blessed to, to, to have what we have and the gifts uh, that God has given to this, to this church. And so I just wanted to honor them again. I've drawn and gleaned so much from those men. And yeah, we show honor where honor is due. And so uh, uh, tonight, I, I, actually, I, I want to move through some things pretty quickly, um, if we can do that. Can we, cram, can we cram for the test tonight? Is that okay? Um, and uh, just uh, uh, maybe just uh, rapid fire uh, some of these some of these things because I want to lay some other uh, some other foundation because I really want to see uh, that we can make this commitment over this these last few days that we have together in corporate fasting and prayer uh, to finish strong and to and, and to continue and and I would even say maybe even ramp up our efforts. In fact, I encourage ramp up our efforts here into the. Testament and New Testament. We'll just get into some teaching here. Is that okay? All right. Everybody follow along. Uh, for the sake of time, also, I'm not going to reference uh, every every scripture. Um, just going to go through uh, what was what was listed and where we get our, our background for this. Um, we we are going to be discussing prayer and fasting and mostly emphasis on the on the fasting part. Um, how many, how many of you before this 21 days of prayer and fasting really didn't have much of an idea of really what fasting was? Is there anybody here that wasn't sure exactly what it was? It's fine if you didn't. Um, uh, you weren't sure what the spiritual discipline uh, was. And so what we found is that there's people on, on all different kinds of, of levels and all levels of understanding. So we're going to bring it all together. So here we go. You ready? Good. See, I didn't wait for a response. I just went ahead and just moved through it. History and background in the Old Testament, okay? Um, only one fast was specifically commanded in the Old Testament. This was on the Day of the Atonement. Um, but people often fasted uh, when they wanted God to hear their prayers. In times of war and in threats of war, uh, kings, leadership, prophets, and priests would fast and pray. Uh, when loved ones were sick, they would fast when seeking God's forgiveness, when there was a time of repentance, um, there was uh, there was uh, fasting. Remember Jonah's Jonah's instruction to to Nineveh. He he half the reason why he was not wanting to go there is because he knew that if the people responded, that God in His mercy would would not wipe them off the face of the earth. And so Jonah was pretty upset about that. But um, uh, the king, in response to Jonah's word, required the entire nation to put on sackcloth and ashes and to fast and ask God for, for, for uh, forgiveness. When faced with impending danger, they fasted. This is all in the Old Testament right now. When seeking God's will, they did. The purpose of these fastings, to humble themselves, 
for the afflicting of their souls. Uh, they believe that the humiliation would be pleasing in God's sight. Um, uh, however, there were also examples uh, when fasting was fruitless. And that was when it was done ceremonially, just as an act. In other words, just as another discipline, just as another religious act or responsibility. We've talked a lot about that here, haven't we, lately? About the difference between what it means to be a son and daughter and what it means just to live out of religious responsibility. And when it was done without true repentance, those were times that it was that it was um, that it was fruitless. If you remember, we started this with the with the fast that is listed in Isaiah 58, and how the first part of that is said, "Is this the fast that you have chosen to do it this way and to act ceremonially and act religious? But your hearts are far from me." And then he comes back. The Lord comes back and say says, "Is this not the fast which I have chosen?" Says the Lord, and that is the fast to loose the bonds of the wicked, to set the captive free. And so it was an obvious distinction between the fast that is the one that we'd like to do and the one the fast that God calls us to who's making the distinction there this is for the New Testament now the history and the background of fasting and prayer in the New Testament the Lord fasted in time of temptation we'll get to a little bit of that of that later when he was in the wilderness he taught his disciples about fasting on several occasions he foretold a time in which his disciples would fast. Remember when he was questioned, they don't fast when the bridegroom is near, but when the bridegroom has gone away, they fast, okay? All right, we're going to do a little Bible study tonight. There are times when the combination of fasting and prayer is more efficient and powerful than just prayer alone. He taught that. That the early church fasted in their service to the Lord. Paul regarded fastings as a mark of his ministry, and that prayer and fasting go hand in hand, utilized whenever there was a strong desire for God's blessing and guidance. All of that, Old Testament and New Testament, we have the background, we have the fundamental, foundational understanding that fasting and prayer is for us. Absolutely, 100%. It is for us and it is for today. So with all of that in mind, let's do a little bit of defining of these things and, and, and moving forward with it. I want to use this passage. You're welcome to turn there, Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start in 5, and we're going to go all the way to 18. This will be from the New American Standard, so if you're pulling it up real quickly on your tablet or device, you're good to go. Mom and Dad used to play... Um, I forget what they called it, but, the, you know, uh, spiritual sword. So everyone had their Bibles on them. They held it by the side. What is it called? Sword drill, right? And they would give the scripture, and it would be like, boom, whoever could get there fastest would, like, win a candy bar or something like that. Um, so Matthew 6, 5 through 18. Winner gets a lot of respect because I don't have any candy bars. Starting with verse 5, let's hit it. When you pray... You are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go to your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God is a rewarder, y'all. That is, oh, man, that is so core to our faith and moving forward in God to know that he is a rewarder. 
And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. What does He say then? Pray that in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's key. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Forgiveness is a big deal. A couple more verses. Whenever you fast. So we couple now. He's coupling praying and fasting. The, the reason for this instruction from Jesus is because the disciple asked, Rabbi, teach us how to pray. So he talks about prayer, he says prayer, and then he comes into fat for, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret again will reward you. He says this twice, both about prayer and fasting. P. Russ did a, a message one time to the, to the young people when he was youth pastor. And uh, I'm stealing this from you, man, because uh, it was a good teaching. But they went over the when yous, the when yous of Jesus. So the when yous are when you pray, when you fast. These are implications to us that this is something that we are to do. When you do this, this is what it's supposed to look like, and this is what it's supposed to sound like. And this is not what it's supposed to look like and not what it's supposed to sound like. So he is telling us what he desires of us through the when yous. When you pray, when you fast, this is how you do it. A couple of things to point out here in just this one passage. First thing is that Jesus is always addressing the heart. Always. That's what he's going after, the heart Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks upon the heart. So he said, don't pray to be seen and don't fast to be seen. Not like the hypocrites. He was addressing the heart. If we seek our reward for men, what did he promise? That we would have our reward in full. Reinhard Bonnke says, said this. He said, don't accept the applause of men and you won't be destroyed by their criticism. In Psalms, David said, a man is tested according to the applause that's given to him. According to the applause. We have to be so conscious in the faith life, in this prayer and fasting life, our intention and our motives and our heart behind the thing. I praise God for times that I wasn't strong enough to want to, to, want to fast and pray on my own, that a church family was going in this together that would pull me into that spiritual understanding and that discipline. So praise God, no matter where we are at in this walk and in this process, it will pull us into that, that desire to be a disciple through prayer and fasting. The second part is this, is listen to the language. Just as Pastor Russell was talking about, when you pray, when you fast, it is an example to us and a word that has been spoken that we are to do. Listen to what God says about, about prayer. Paul told Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.8, Therefore I want men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18 says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, 
He couples, he puts all of those together, and then he says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, to pray without ceasing. And here's the reason. We're going to start with prayer. As simple as I can define it, that is prayer is conversation. Converse without ceasing. Converse with the Lord. Talk with the Lord without ceasing. It's been made available to us. Praise God. Through Jesus Christ, that veil was torn, y'all. It was torn. Communion was restored the moment Jesus took his last breath. The word says that when he gave up his spirit, the veil in the temple was torn. That which was separating man from the holy of holies, we have been given entrance. Praise God. We have that available to us. Prayer is the conversation. It's conversation that is going. It's participatory. And there are two parts to any conversation, the conversation that is going on in our lives. How many of you all know when you're carrying on a conversation with anybody? It's two parts. There is speaking and there is listening. Speaking and listening. That's how prayer is to work with God. The conversation. You see, when prayer is just the religious responsibility, and that's all we've got about, about it, that's the only way we can think about it, we are missing what God has provided to us. We're missing that this is the most important conversation we can have. When I start looking at prayer that way, when we start looking at prayer that way, that this is the most important conversation that I can have. The most important conversation you can have in a day is with the Lord Jesus Christ. How can it not be? If we're believers, then let us be believers. It's the most critical conversation. Do, do, do we realize that that if we were to have this conversation on a daily basis, things might go well for us. If we had a conversation that was ongoing, that praying without ceasing, remember, it's, it, it's not that you have to be speaking all the time. We don't have to be like Gentiles who think they're going to be heard because of their many words. It's also just as much about being tuned in to what the Lord is trying to speak to us because I guarantee it, God is speaking to you all the time. All the time. All the time. Prayer and fasting is meant to be second nature to the believer. Praying without ceasing becomes something that I don't even think about. It should become something that it's not that I'm striving for. It just becomes something. It becomes a part of who, who I am. And I want to talk about this fasting thing. I told you we were, going to move, we, were, we were going to move fast in this. Okay, so we define prayer. Prayer is the conversation. Say prayer is the conversation. Oh, man, so good. So good. Fasting. The very essence of fasting is denying yourself. It's self-denial. It's not being in denial. That's different. It's denying yourself. If anyone wishes to follow me, he must what? Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. He must deny himself. Fasting is starving yourself naturally, physically, your flesh man, for the building up of your spirit man. The principle is this. In order for something to live, something must die. 
And that was Jesus was plan A all along. If we have in our head, this is important, because if we have in our head that Jesus is the response of God to the fall of mankind, to the sin of mankind, then we've got it backwards and we misinterpret God's nature. We misinterpret who he is, that he is just a reactive and a responsive God, that he did not plan ahead, that he said, ooh, I created man and oops, they fell, now what am I going to do? The word tells us he was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. He was the plan all along, not the band-aid for what went wrong. If we get that backwards, we misinterpret him. When, when God made man and he put him in the garden and he said every tree except for the one tree, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is good for food. It will be for you to eat. So the principle is this. It even then explained and showed God's nature that someone was going to come and die that we might live. Even if you're on a fast, you're doing Daniel fast, and you're eating lettuce. That was once a living plant before you plucked it off the, off of the, off of the head of lettuce and you put it in your mouth. Something that was living had to die so that you could be sustained, so that you and I could be sustained. It is a principle of God. Thinking about what we eat. We eat animals, pork, chicken, beef, potatoes, tomatoes. <laughs> you can look that meme up on, on, on Facebook or whatever. But God built this wisdom into us so that the denying, the starving of the flesh man is for the living of the spirit man. Something has to die so that something else can live. So the flesh man has to die so that the spirit man can live. And so if all we're feeding is the natural, the flesh man, then what we're doing is we're putting death to the spirit man and letting our flesh man live. Does this make sense? Romans 8.13 says, if you live according to the flesh, then you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, the nature man, you will live. You will live. Colossians 3.5 says, put to death whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Put it to death. In other words, crucify it. Jesus didn't just come to die for us. He came to show us how it's done. For I am crucified with Christ. But I live. It's no longer I, but Christ who lives within me. So Nathan dies for Christ to live. Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, all of this is idolatry. Anything of the flesh, man, becomes an idol in our life. The truth is, we love us. 
We absolutely love ourselves. Absolutely. How many of y'all know that's true? Ephesians 5.29. It's in the Bible. After all, no one ever hated their own body. As much as you look in the mirror and say you don't, our actions and our decisions say otherwise. Because we invest in what we want. We buy what makes us comfortable. We purchase what looks good to us. Feed the flesh monster is what we do. It's what we do. Don't be ashamed of it. Every single one of us do it. We want to, we want to please what the flesh wants. If we've not learned to put our earthly, our natural, our carnal man under control, we become undisciplined, and whatever flesh wants is what flesh gets. Fasting is the practice, then, of denying that flesh what he typically wants to survive and to be sustained. Okay? Listen to this. When the flesh man comes under submission, then the spirit is strengthened, giving the spirit within us that it partners. It gives our spirit the upper hand against the flesh and the enemy. you got to tell the flesh what to do. You gotta tell them what to do. We've been working on this with the with the boys because sometimes we get attitude. Sometimes we get a lot of attitude. We get we get the stank face and the stank eye and the not wanting to not wanting to listen and uh, being being cranky, being mean, being ugly, you know, punching people and whatnot. And one of the things that, that, that the Lord has, has helped us in disciplining them is, is letting them know that like, you don't have to choose that reaction. You don't have to choose flying off the handle. You don't have to choose that ugly attitude that makes your whole body language ugly. It makes your whole face ugly. Didn't we handle that today? We handled it today. I'm telling you, the whole body language was just like, ugh. Because what happens on the inside begins to manifest on the outside. And you're not really hiding it from anybody. We think we are, but we're not. But you can choose this. You can choose whether to engage in this attitude and whether you feed that or whether you don't. You can make that choice. You can make the choice to respond differently. The devil didn't make you do it. <laughs> What you feed thrives. What you starve dies. That's why fasting is such a critical part of the life of a believer. It is something that we do in the physical that brings about a spiritual result. We're choosing to put to death the deeds of the flesh. We just read it. We're choosing being intentional about it. There's something that I want to achieve and have spiritually. And in order for that to happen, the spirit man has to become upper hand. I have to deny the flesh man. 
I have to put him down and his deeds and the things that he wants so that my spirit man can thrive, so that he can grow. Jesus was led into the wilderness. I'm not going to read this passage. I have it here in my notes, but I'm going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through this whole passage. Remember, Jesus was led into the Spirit, led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the Word says that after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. He was hungry. He was ready for the fast to be over. This is the kind of fast, if you're asking about specific kind of fast, this was a, a Spirit-led fast uh, completely fasted. He was hungry. And then it was that, that time at the end of the 40 days that temptation came to him. The word says that the tempter himself came. The devil came and he offered him. He offered him um, that you're the son of God, caused these stones. He was hungry. Satan knew that he was hungry. Caused these stones to be turned into bread. Jesus responded with the word. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil took him to the holy city, stood him on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for he's written, he will come. This is the word of God. That's why we have to be sharpened. That's why we have to test these spirits and see if they be of God. Because they will try and use the word against us. Jesus answered, Jesus answered the question of the word with the word himself. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, he took him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, said, this can be yours. Just bow down to me and worship me. And he said, away from me, Satan. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He responded. Then this says in verse 11, then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. And so I saw something I never saw before. Fasting brings us face to face with temptation and testing. If you engage truly in fasting and prayer, you will be tested and you will be tempted. Why? Because there are cravings that we have. Fasting is so beautiful because it's an exchange of cravings. But here's the beauty of this. This is what I love about verse 11. And the devil left him. So Jesus passed the test. And then angels came and attended him. And I never saw that before in this light. Fasting brings us face to face with the temptation and testing. But fasting also brings us face to face with the help of heaven. With the help of heaven. He denied the temptations of the enemy. And so much of our spiritual life, so much of our, our, our preaching, I believe even to an error, is about avoiding, just trying to avoid the sin, avoid the temptation, get through the testing and the temptation. But what we don't realize is what we gain. It's what we gain through this. Yes, the temptation and the testing is, is there, but God promised there's no temptation that will, be able to that will be able to take over us. There's no temptation but that which is common to man. But with that temptation, he's provided a way of escape. In other words, you don't have to choose that attitude. There's an escape. Fasting also brings us face to face with the help of heaven. And the angels came and attended to him. The devil may come and test you, but I'm not going to be searching for him. The help of heaven is also on its way. That angels may come and attend to you. Praise God. 
Praise God. During the time of fasting, you got to be eating a lot. But the spiritual diet, what did Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's an exchange, a dietary exchange to food. He said, man does not live by bread alone. These words are spirit and life. These words, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that's what man lives on. Jesus said it this way one time. He said, I have meat that you don't know of. My meat is to do the will of the Father who sent me. In other words, there is spiritual food that, that causes us to thrive, that brings life to us, that sustains us. It works. It really works. The Lord spoke to Ezekiel this. He said, son of man, eat this scroll. Bring this scroll into your stomach. And Ezekiel said, and I ate it, and it was like the taste of honey in my mouth. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Son of man, fill your stomach with this scroll. I ate it, and it was like the taste of honey in my mouth. So we are exchanging our dependence. Some of you came right from work. You came right from work. You had a long day. Food is something that we look forward to. It's something that brings us comfort. Can I get an amen? It is a craving. I don't know about you, but I, I, I do that. On Wednesday nights, we've, we've got a thing, okay, in our house because Wednesday's always the longest day between Wednesdays and Sundays for our family. Those are by far the longest days. They're, they're full days. We're working hard all day. And then, of course, we got a, a, a night like tonight. So by the time it's, it, it's, it's time to come home, we have a system that, that works. Mr. Greg, you know, you know the system. You know exactly where I'm going. But I'm telling you, Wednesday night is my frozen pizza night. You're tempting us. I'm, I'm even thinking about it now. But, but that, that's the thing. I, I, call, I call Ivy, and I'm like, sweetie, I'm on my way home. She's like, okay, pizza's in the oven. And we got it timed out perfect, like I'm telling you. So by the time I get home, I put my pajamas on, I get comfortable, and I sit down on that couch. Not only has the pizza been cooked, but it's cooled just enough. You know what I'm saying? It's cooled just enough to where I can pop that in my mouth and it's, just, and, and it's just like ready to go. You know what I'm saying? Lord Jesus, help me. Help me tonight. Help me, Lord God. <laughs> Not tonight, baby. Because it, it's something that we look forward to. It's something that we, we long for and we desire. So put that into, into spiritual terms and let's, let's make the connection if we're starving that of our natural man, have we ever had a desire to meet with God? The same way we desire that next meal, especially when we're hungry, and especially when it's been a long day, and oh man, I just can't wait to get home and just get some food in my stomach. Fasting. Somehow, in God's wisdom, causes that to be a switch, an exchange of dependencies, where we're not dependent and craving that natural food. There's something else that we desire more. And that happens during fasting. Huh. Fasting is, is often a missing ingredient in our lives. The reason we don't want to, we don't really want to sacrifice until we have to. 
Again, we love ourselves. We love ourselves more than anybody. That's why the greatest of the commandments is one of the hardest. Love the Lord your God with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is, is, is just as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why is that there? Because if we were truly love somebody as much as we love ourselves, love would be good. Fasting is breathing on the fire of God within us. Uncovering the, uncovering the well, what we've been doing here and, and God's word to us over this fasting and prayer time. Fasting is a declaration of getting the dirt out of the way so that that living water can flow. That's what's happening during fasting. We're getting all the earthly, natural, flesh man stuff out of the way. Finally, one other thing I, I want to do before we pray tonight, um, and that is the combination now it's the combination. We talk about prayer, we talk about fasting, but the combination. Praying, fasting coupled together produces power in our lives and brings spiritual breakthrough. The example in Mark chapter 9, 14 through 29. You don't have to turn there, but uh, he came to the disciples. He saw a great multitude around them, and the scribes were disputing with them. And immediately when he saw them, the people were greatly amazed, and they were running and they were greeting him, talking about Jesus. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered, said, Teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Notice what he says, O faithless generation, because we're going to connect that to what he says at the end. They brought him to him, and when he saw, immediately that the spirit convulsed him, and he fell to the ground and wallowed and was foaming at the mouth. This child. So he asked the, his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, since his childhood, he's, the spirit has thrown him into the fire, into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father child cried out, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus saw that the crowd was coming together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, Death and dumb spirit, I command you out, out of him and to enter into him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed, and came out of him. Then he became as one dead. He is dead, the people said. And Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he arose. Later on, when they came to the house, the disciples asked, Why could we not cast it out? And he said, So he, so he said to them, This kind can come out, does everyone know, by nothing but prayer and fasting. The combination caused a spiritual breakthrough and for something to take place. The other, listen what he was response to them was. He didn't say, oh, prayerless and fastingless generation. He said, oh, faithless generation. So in prayer and fasting, he was connecting faith to prayer and fasting. If you want your faith to grow, it will come during prayer and fasting, the combination. It will increase. The combination, the casting out, prayer and fasting, bringing that breakthrough. Some can only come out by prayer and by fasting together, causing a significant difference. When there are things that we come up against in our lives that seem that they are immovable, they are things that, that just aren't moving out of the way. Prayer and fasting are the answer. They are the answer. It is a catalyst that works together. 
Fasting, not just a diet and not just doing it ceremonially, but, but prayer and fasting working together. And there is a vitality that comes. There are many in this room that can testify to it, to what God has called us to do. We have until Sunday to complete our, our corporate 21 days of prayer and fasting, like I said. There are breakthroughs and victories to have through this prayer and fasting. Pastor Russell, if you would, come back, come back quickly. Our spiritual lives really depend upon this wisdom, this ancient wisdom. To bring things through, every, every man and woman of God who I've seen work incredible miracles, move mountains in faith, they were, they were people of prayer and fasting. Uh, I want that to be a mark of, of my life. I don't know about you. I want that to be a mark of my life and to be a mark of this church and of this ministry. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.